Chapter Fourteen of The Shadow of Victory. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. The Shadow of Victory by Myrtle Reed. Chapter Fourteen. Heart's Desire. Those who had complained of Captain Franklin's lax methods were silent now the fortifications were strengthened at every possible point and pickets were stationed in the woods at points on the lake shore along the fort wayne trail and at various places on the prairie there was no target practice for fears of a scarcity of ammunition but the women were taught to handle the pistols muskets and even the cannon in the blockhouses mackenzie forsyth and chandonnet divided the night watch at the trading station at the first sound of a warning gun the women and children were to be taken to the fort as before beatrice was to go to captain franklin's mrs mackenzie and the children to lieutenant howard's and the men to barracks i guess i'll move over anyway said beatrice i wouldn't care to make the trip in the night i'll sleep at the captain's and eat wherever i happen to be mrs franklin was not told of the plan until beatrice and robert appeared at her door with the enterprising young woman's possessions but she made her guests very welcome why didn't you tell me you were coming she asked what would be the use of telling you inquired beatrice you'd be obliged to say you wanted me so i just came the captain's wife was genuinely glad for of late she had been very lonely franklin was always more or less absorbed in his own affairs and the feeling between lieutenant howard and his superior officer did not tend to promote friendly relations between the women there had been no open break but each felt that there might be one at any time ronald was in high spirits since he had given beatrice the basket she had treated him more kindly and he led queen twenty times around the fort every day for exercise without a murmur of complaint beatrice stood at the gate and kept count while across the river Forsyth sat on the piazza and envied the ensign even during his monotonous daily round Among the officers at the fort the declaration of war had not been altogether unexpected For vague rumors of England's arrogance upon the high seas had reached the western limits of civilization But the situation was covered only by general orders from the war department For once lieutenant Howard agreed with the captain in that there seemed to be no great possibility of a british attack however valiantly defended the fort could not be held long in the face of a vigorous assault from the enemy since the fighting force numbered less than sixty men but england would have nothing to gain from that quarter other points were far more important than fort dearborn but the garrison was ready to fight nevertheless ronald was more sanguine and lived in hourly hope of hearing the signal of the enemy's approach he sharpened the edge of his sword to the keen thinness of a knife blade and slept with one hand upon his pistol dr norton too was making elaborate preparations in the way of lint and bandages and ronald helped him make stretchers enough to last during a lifetime of war but the days passed peacefully and there were no signs of fighting the indians were particularly lawless but confined their violence to their own people though they had lost in a great measure their wholesome fear of the soldiers of the fort 
the devils are insolent because they think there's going to be trouble and in the general confusion it will escape notice remarked ronald as he sat in the shade of lieutenant howard's piazza i'm in favor of stringing up a few of them by way of example to the rest yes replied howard twisting his mustache and in a few minutes we'd have the entire potawatomi tribe upon us you don't seem to understand that they knew war had been declared long before we did and that even now in all probability they are in league with the enemy no people on earth are too low down for england to ally herself with when she wants territory true answered ronald but i'm not afraid of england she had one good lesson and we'll give her another any time she wants it we've got enough on our hands right here sighed the lieutenant without any more foreign wars we've got to have it out with the indians yet and fight our way step by step the trail of blood began at plymouth and will end god knows where england is more or less civilized but she isn't above setting the indians upon us to serve her own ends what are you talking about asked beatrice coming across from captain franklin yes do tell us said catherine from the doorway affairs of state answered the lieutenant easily any british in sight inquired beatrice not yet replied ronald but the entire army is likely to drop on us at any minute what would you do she asked curiously do repeated ronald striding up and down in front of the house we'd call in the pickets bar the gates man the guns and send the women and children into the captain's cellar could queen go too can queen go down a ladder she never has answered beatrice but she could if she wanted to i'm sure of it if that's the case said lieutenant howard we'd better offer her to the british officers as a trick horse and buy off the attack if they come in the daytime continued beatrice ignoring the suggestion i will go out to meet them all by myself i'll put on my pink dress and my best apron and carry a white flag in one hand and the united states flag in the other when the british captain comes running up to me to see what i want i'll say captain you are late and to be late to dinner is a sin we have been looking for you for some time but we will forgive you if you will come now the invitation includes the ladies of your party and all the officers they never could shoot after that Catherine joined in the laugh that followed but her heart was uneasy none the less like ronald she was continually expecting an attack and knew there could be but one result she believed that the indians and the british would make common cause against them when the time came to strike i'll tell you what said ronald some of us ought to go out and drag in mad margaret if we stood her up on the stockade there isn't an indian in the tribe who would dare to aim an arrow or throw a tomahawk toward the fort i've never seen her said beatrice thoughtfully i hope you never will answered ronald quickly she's crazy of course but she has an uncanny way about her that a sensitive person would consider disturbing she pranced into the fort on a winter afternoon two years ago and prophesied a flood followed by a terribly hot summer and no crops when the spring rains came the river spread on all sides and sure enough there were no crops that year was it hot too oh lord was it hot if hell is any hotter i don't care to go to it you talk as if that was your final destination observed catherine 
that's as it may be returned the ensign i've often been invited to go and several times i've been told that it was a fitting place of residence for such as i i didn't know about that said the lieutenant thoughtfully referring to the fulfilment of the prophecy you weren't here explained ronald it was before you came in eighteen ten i think cousin rob told me about her said beatrice he said she came to uncle john's the same day he did and he's seen her once or twice since she always says that she sees much blood then fire and afterward peace yes growled the ensign she's forever harping on blood she stuck her claws into me that night i remember told me i should never have my heart's desire what is your heart's desire asked beatrice lightly the summer faded and another day came back once again he sat before the roaring fire at the trading station with forsyth mackenzie and chandonnet grouped around him while phantoms of snow drifted by and sleet beat against the window panes then the door seemed to open softly and mad margaret made her way into the circle chandonnet's wild music sounded again in his ears and he felt the thin claw-like hands upon him and heard the high tremulous voice saying you shall never have your heart's desire and in answer to his question it has not come but you will know it soon the blood beat in his ears but he heard beatrice say once more what is your heart's desire a flash of inward light revealed it the girl who stood before him with the sunlight on her hair and her scarlet lips parted strong and self-reliant yet wholly womanly ronald cleared his throat you shouldn't ask me such questions he said trying to speak lightly when all these people are around we'd better go kit remarked the lieutenant we seem to be in the way anything to please murmured mrs howard as they went into the house ronald was looking at beatrice with all his soul in his eyes i i must go she stammered aunt eleanor will want me don't dear the boyishness was all gone and it was the voice of a man in pain the deep crimson flamed into her face and dyed the whiteness of her neck just below the turn of her cheek she did not dare to look at him but fled ignominiously he did not follow her but she heard him laugh a hollow mirthless laugh with a catch in it that sounded like a sob she never knew how she crossed the river but she was surprised to find forsyth waiting for her as he helped her out of the pirogue he said i was just going after you we feared we had lost you i'm not lost she said shortly but i don't want people running around after me the shadow that crossed his face haunted her even while he sat opposite her at dinner and laughed and joked with her as usual when mrs mackenzie took the baby away for his afternoon nap with maria indiana wailing sleepily at her skirts beatrice went to her own room fearing to be alone with robert she was strangely restless and something seemed to hang over her like an indefinite threatening fate outside was the drowsy hum of midsummer where the fairy folk of the fields rubbed their wings together in the grass and the sun transformed the river to a sheet of shining silver ronald came out took the good boat which belonged to the fort and pulled downstream with long steady strokes the river was low but he passed the bar with little difficulty 
and went on out into the lake Beatrice heard Robert singing happily to himself, but she could not stay any longer where she was She gathered up her sewing and climbed out of the window ungracefully but effectively and went back to the fort Catherine saw her coming and smiled that morning with quick intuition she had read the secret in Ronald's heart and Suddenly knew how much she cared for the boy who teased and tormented But never failed her if she needed him in her own mind She had written down Beatrice as an unsparing coquette and determined to take up the cudgels in behalf of her victim the girl sewed nervously breaking her thread frequently but she kept at it until Catherine said very gently B George cares for you. I know snapped Beatrice her thread broke again and her hands trembled so she could scarcely knot it And Robert too said Catherine presently. I know Well dear, what are you going to do about it? Cousin Kit said the girl angrily if you're going to lecture me I'm going back home she folded up her work, but mrs. Howard put a restraining hand upon her arm Don't be you know we talked about my trouble together. Why can't we talk about yours? I haven't any trouble Beatrice's face was flushed, but her voice was softer and she seemed willing to stay What are you going to do about it asked Catherine once more? What can I do about it cried Beatrice in a high key? Why that's simple I'm sure I can go to mr. Ronald and say please mr. Ronald don't ask me to marry you because I'm going to marry cousin Rob he doesn't know it yet in fact he hasn't even asked me but I'm going to do it just the same or I might go to cousin Rob and say my dear mr. Forsyth I hope you won't ask me to marry you because I'm going to marry mr. Ronald who hasn't asked me as yet in fact she continued with her temper rising I've about concluded that I won't marry anybody be dear I'm only trying to help you please don't be cross to me which one do you care for neither cried Beatrice in a passion I don't care for anybody and I'm never going to be married I'd be happy wouldn't I tied up chained like a dog take what my master gave me slave drudge bear whatever burden he saw fit to put upon me eat my heart out in loneliness cry all day and all night for my lost freedom marry not I Marriage means all those things as you say said Catherine after a silence But the bitterest part of it is that when you find your mate you have to go the call is insistent There is no other way it means childbearing and child loss It means a thousand kinds of pain that you never knew before loneliness doubt sacrifice misunderstanding and always the fear of change before you think of it as a permanent bond of happiness later you see that it is a yoke born unequally You marry to keep love, but sometimes that is the surest way to lose it They say continued Catherine with her face white that after the first few years the storm and stress dies out into indifference and that happiness and content are again possible but oh she breathed those few years if man and woman must go through the world together shoulder to shoulder meeting the same troubles the same difficulties and dangers Why oh why didn't God make us of the same clay? We are different in a thousand ways 
we act in opposite directions from differing and incomprehensible motives our point of view is instinctively different and yet we are chained sex against sex it has been since the world began sex against sex it shall be to the bitter end catherine sobbed beatrice i know that is what i am afraid of all the time i keep tight hold of myself to keep from caring because i dare not surrender if i yield i am lost if i loved a man he would take me between his two hands and crush me so i should be so wholly his yes said the other bitterly and many times he will crush you just to see if he can just to see that he has not lost his command of you power is what he must have power over your mind and body your heart and your soul for every little unthinking action of yours you are held responsible before the bar of his justice his justice she repeated scornfully when he does not know what the word means you have a little corner of his life you give him all of yours in return we are bound like slaves that never can be free god made it so and we obey there was a tense silence then a step was heard upon the piazza and catherine opened the door to her husband beatrice managed to wipe her wet eyes upon her sewing before he saw that she was there well said the lieutenant easily sinking into a chair what have you girls been doing oh we've just been talking answered catherine diffidently talking talking always talking he continued what would women do if they couldn't talk they'd burst remarked beatrice concisely i guess that's right laughed the lieutenant but you needn't fear it will happen to you you're mean to me said beatrice gathering up her work so i'm going home don't be in a hurry put in katherine i haven't been you don't want me to live here do you we should be charmed replied the lieutenant gallantly i'll consider it she said shortly good-bye tempestuous sort of a girl commented howard as beatrice disappeared she played the devil with a man wouldn't she that's exactly what she's doing which man asked howard curiously messrs ronald and forsyth answered katherine laughing how blind and stupid you are the lieutenant's disposition had undergone outward improvement of late by common consent he and katherine had started afresh making no reference to past disagreements and he had wisely ceased to question her motives or her actions he let her understand that she might do as she pleased in all things and naturally she was not willing to take undue advantage of her tacit freedom still the old happiness and confidence were gone forsyth had the second watch that night and was sitting on the piazza listening for the warning guns of the pickets on the lookout for the enemy when ronald came across the river thought you were here he said so i came over as i couldn't sleep i'm glad you did returned robert it gets pretty lonely out here about three o'clock in the morning are you sleepy not a bit who comes on next and when chan's watch begins at three it isn't far from that now call him up then and let's go out a while i can't sit still all right when the half-breed muttering sleepily was finally stationed on the piazza with instructions to listen for the guns they walked out to the river which way asked robert either i don't care 
the moon was shining brightly and the earth was exquisitely still the fort transfigured by its mantle of silver sheen might have been some moss-grown feudal castle with a gleaming river at its gate ronald walked rapidly and his breath came in quick short jerks what's wrong with you asked forsyth kindly i don't know how to put it said the soldier after a long silence for i never was good at words but well you like beatrice pretty well don't you yes don't you she's my heart's desire said ronald thickly they were in the forest now where the tall trees stood like the pillars of a cathedral and the moonlight softened by the overhanging branches fell full upon robert's face white to the lips with pain old man said ronald huskily one of us is going to get hurt yes returned forsyth dully i suppose so we can't both have her perhaps neither of us can but well whatever happens say it isn't going to interfere with our friendship is it no cried forsyth a thousand times no ronald wrung the other's hand in a fierce grasp and choked down a lump in his throat she's too good for me he muttered i know that as well as anybody but oh my soul i can't give her up she's for the man she loves said forsyth and for no other she wouldn't marry a king if she didn't love him well sighed ronald so be it may the best man win for the sake of her happiness yes of the three of us only one will suffer unless you and i share it together but even that is better than for her to be unhappy i haven't a chance with you i know i haven't but you're my friend and i i love her so much that i could give her to you if she loved you better than she loved me rob rob cried ronald you're the only friend i've got but i don't need any more whatever happens i'll hold fast to that there'll be something left for me after all End of chapter 14